the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And the boundaries God has placed on our freedom. We are free to love our neighbors as ourselves by obeying the law of God. We are free to obey God's law now. Not free to disregard it. Love has not replaced the law of God. God's law was given us to show us how to do what we ought to do because we love the Lord. You know, when it comes to our freedom and grace, we oftentimes want to take a look at that freedom and say, see, we've been set free to do whatever we want. And the fact is, apart from God's grace in Christ, we are bound and enslaved to sin. And we can't do what he's asked us to do in his law. This freedom that we get in Jesus through grace sets us free to actually do what God has designed us to do and required of us through his word and his law. Welcome to Abounding Grace. Pastor Gary Wagner continues our exploration of Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. Let's catch up with him there for today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Once again, here's Pastor Gary. The Bible says if you are going to be a leader of men, you must be a slave of men. You must put their interests and their concerns above your own. Turn yourself inside out. For the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. As one has said, we are not to be one master with a lot of slaves, but each one of us is to be one slave with a lot of masters when it comes to love. So that is the secondary boundary. The first boundary is that Christian freedom is freedom to control sinful appetites and not to indulge those desires and those impulses that are evil. And the second boundary is that Christian freedom is freedom to love other people and to serve them, not the freedom to exploit and abuse other people. Now we come to the third boundary to our freedom in our text, which is in verse 14. And it says, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Let me read that again. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the point is that Christian freedom is freedom to obey God's law, not freedom to, dis- to disregard it or ignore it. And this is a boundary that people have fallen off by the truckloads in our culture and in churches all over the land every single day. They disregard this boundary and they plunge to their death. Christian freedom is the freedom to obey God's law, not freedom to disregard and ignore it. 
According to the book of Galatians, real freedom is to be defined as that spirit-imparted ability and desire to do what you should do. Not to do whatever you want to do, but to do what you should do. And of course, what we should do is spelled out for us in Scripture. So freedom is the spirit-imparted ability and desire to obey what God has commanded us to do in His Word, not to disregard that Word or pick and choose from that Word what we wish to follow. And here it says in verse 14 that we have the responsibility of fulfilling that law. It says, for the whole law is fulfilled. And the word fulfilled doesn't mean, as some believe, to do away with. This is how people try to get around this. For instance, when Jesus said in Matthew 5, 17, I came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. They say, there it is. Jesus said he came to fulfill it, so we don't have to obey it any longer. As if the word fulfilled means to do away with. But what does the word abolish mean? It means to do away with. But Jesus came to do the opposite. He came not to abolish, but to fulfill. Jesus didn't come to earth and say, I came to abolish or to do away with the law of God. But in contrast, he said, he came to enforce, to confirm, to establish, to put it into effect. That is what he meant. And here in verse 14, you have the same thing. The whole law is enforced, obeyed, confirmed, established, put into effect by us in one word. Or in other words, to say it in just one word. You love your neighbor as yourself. Now that sentence refutes the person that says, well, we don't have to obey any of the laws in the Old Testament. We're Christians. We, we just need to yield ourselves up to love and the Holy Spirit. And all of the laws of the Old Testament, we don't have to obey any longer. Beloved, you shall love your neighbor as yourself is a case law from Leviticus 19.18. So if you don't have to pay attention to the laws in the Old Testament, then you don't have to love yourself and you don't have to love other people because that is a direct law from the Old Testament brought into the New Testament. Paul is simply quoting a case law out of the Old Testament, saying, in effect, that this still stands along with all of God's other moral laws for us. Listen to this from Dr. Rushduni. The excuse of this second group who are pietists is that the law has been done away with by grace and so there is no reason to preach the law of God. This is a false doctrine. The law is done away with only as an indictment against us. It stands as the righteousness of God which we must uphold. Every aspect of the Old Testament law still stands except those aspects of the ceremonial and priestly laws specifically fulfilled by the coming of Christ and those laws specifically reinterpreted in the New Testament. We are saved from the law as an indictment 
but not to break the law freely. Is the law done away with and the Christian free to kill, commit adultery, or to steal? No. Rather, the Christian is saved to be able to live in and under God's law. And the law now is written on the tables of his heart. Turn to Romans 13, 18 through 10. Romans 13, 8 through 10. You'll see a repeat and an expansion of this that Christians are responsible to fulfill and obey God's law by loving other people from the heart. They don't have the freedom to disregard and ignore the law. Romans 13, 8 through 10. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong. Love doesn't sin. Love doesn't break the law of God. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. Now notice, love sums up the law. It doesn't replace it. It doesn't displace it. It doesn't supplant the law. It fulfills and confirms it. When we love God and other people from the heart, that is a summation statement of what the whole law of God is about. The law of God is obeyed when it is obeyed from a heart of love, and then it guides that love to show us how we are to love God and to love other people. Now that we are Christians, what is it to love your neighbor as yourself as the summation of the law? It means now we love to do what we ought to do, which is to obey the law of God. You see, when you fulfill the law by love, love still can't do wrong. And what defines what is wrong? Of course, it is the law of God. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. It's not going to break and disregard the law because now as Christians, we love to do what we ought to do. And how do you know what you ought to do? Well, before you were a Christian, you hated to do what you are supposed to do. But now you're a Christian and you have a new heart. And you know because you love to do what you ought to do. So you search the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, bearing in mind that the Ten Commandments and the commandment, love your neighbor as yourself, are from the Old Testament. And that's why we must include the Old Testament, searching all of scripture to find out how we ought to live, because that is how we love to live. That is how we want to live as new creatures in Christ. And that is true of every Christian. Every real Christian loves to do what he should do. He doesn't always do it because he is still a sinner. But when he doesn't do what he ought to do, it breaks him. It makes him feel miserable and convicted and he's not happy until he confesses his sins to God and gets back to where he ought to be. This is the definition of a Christian. 
And my friends, if it is not true of you, you are not a Christian. A Christian loves to do what he ought to do. He ought to go to church on Sunday, setting it aside as a day of rest and worship. And he loves to do it. He can't wait to do it. He ought to continue to meditate on and and read and, and study and hear the word of God preached because he craves spiritual nourishment. Like a little baby craves his milk. That is what he ought to do. And he loves doing it. Do you love doing what you ought to do? I've said what I'm about to say multiple times over the past 15 years. But it is so important. And because we do have new people here who have never heard this. I'm going to say it once again. Listen, law is the eye of love, and without law, love is blind. Love is the soul of law, and without love, law is dead. Once again, law is the eye of love, and without law, love is blind. Love is the soul of law. And without love, law is dead. Now, I'm sure you've heard love is blind. Well, that is very true. It has no legislative power. And love has no way of directing itself. It needs assistance. And God gave us his law to show us how we are to love one another. So law is the eye of love knowing who to love and how to love them. Law is the eye of love, and without law, love is dead. Listen to this warning from Dr. Rush Dooney. It's in an essay titled simply, Restitution. He said, in recent years, the erosion of the law of love doctrine has been rapid. Instead of seeing love as the fulfilling of the law, Romans 13, 8, modern churchmen have have seen love as replacing law. Judges have readily picked up on this doctrine. I recall the shock of a small businessman in the late 1950s. A man with a record of passing bad checks had bilked him also. When he went to court, the businessman saw the guilty man given a suspended sentence and placed on probation. And he himself was savagely lectured by the judge for demanding restitution and treating as unloving and unchristian. If you try to show love and compassion without first a love for the law as your guide, justice flies right out the window and lawlessness prevails, beloved. Recently, and I mean recently, A woman was robbed and her car hijacked at gunpoint by three teenagers. The woman's car was found and one of the young men was captured. When the woman was asked if she was going to press charges, she said, well, because the hijacker was so young, 17, he deserves another chance. Two weeks later, the same young man killed the police officer who left behind a wife and two children. So much for love without the law. So if you don't have the law of God, 
and all you have is love in your heart, all these warm feelings and passions and butterflies in your stomach, who knows what you'll do? Love has got to have direction. It needs guidance. And that's why God gave us his law to show us how to love. Law is the eye of love, and without the law, love is blind. Love is the soul of law, and without love, law is dead. In other words, if you obey all the details of the law of God externally, but it doesn't originate from the heart, you don't love doing what you ought to do. You're basically simply doing what you ought to do because you can't stand the criticism or you don't want to go to hell when you die or whatever it may be. If your obedience to God's law doesn't originate out of a heart of love for him and other men, then it is dead obedience. Love is the soul of law and without love, law is dead So in the boundaries God has placed on our freedom, we are free to love our neighbors as ourselves by obeying the law of God. We are free to obey God's law now, not free to disregard it. Love has not replaced the law of God. God's law was given us to show us how to do what we ought to do because we love the Lord. Now, that's certainly doesn't mean that doing what we ought to do is the basis of our standing with God. That is the point of the whole book of Galatians. Remember, Paul wrote the book of Galatians to put down that view. You know, there were Judaizers who said, if you obey the law of God, then that will be the basis of your acceptance with God. Paul puts a blowtorch to that idea. He says, absolutely not. Because you can't obey the law of God perfectly enough. The basis of our acceptance with God is, once again, Christ and what he has done alone. And we become reconciled by God through faith in Christ alone and not through anything that we have done. The great Scottish commentator John Brown said this. The liberty wherewith Christ has made us free by no means relaxes our obligations to religious and moral duty, but on the contrary, furnishes us at once with the most cogent motives and the most powerful encouragements to avoid sin in all of its forms and to cultivate universal holiness throughout our lives, both in temper and in conduct. Our acceptance with God is not based upon God's law. It is based upon Christ through faith. But that certainly does not mean that we are free to disregard and disobey the law simply because it can't justify us. It can't save us, but it is to be used as the instrument God has given us as the Holy Spirit empowers us to show us how to live as we ought. Unquote. And dangers always come up in our lives, and confusion always arises whenever we make one of two mistakes at this point. One is, whenever we replace Christ with the law of God, we are in danger of falling off that high, narrow road. When you replace Christ with the law, 
and you start talking about the law as you would talk about Christ, you are putting your faith in your ability to obey the law of God when you should put your faith in Christ alone. And you get mixed up. And you forget that Christ is the Savior who comes to you with the law in his hands to show you how to live as his disciples. When you start getting Christ and law mixed up, you will fall off the road. That is the first great danger, to replace Christ with the law of God. The second source of confusion is to want Christ as your Savior without his law. That is what we have today. I want Christ as my Savior, but I don't want his law. I don't want all those rules like the Sermon on the Mount and the Ten Commandments and all the other host of demands that he's placed upon us, his disciples. Surely Jesus isn't like that. Really? Because Jesus said in John 15, you are my friends if you obey my commandments. In other words, he who is our Savior does not cease to be our sovereign over our lives. So what are the boundaries of freedom? If you are a Christian, it is because Christ has set you free. But that freedom has boundaries, so you won't fall off on either side of this road and drown in the river of legalism or the river of license. Number one, we have been set free to control the flesh, not to indulge it. Two, we have been set free to love and serve other people, not to abuse them and exploit them. And number three, we have been set free to obey God's law for Jesus' sake, not to disregard it or ignore it. Now that means then that everyone who has truly been set free by Jesus Christ shows that he is free. He displays this freedom and he proves to himself that he has been set free in three ways. The first is self-control with reference to sinful impulses. He is able to control himself, which is a fruit of the Spirit. He never says, I just couldn't help myself. I, I just couldn't resist it. The temptation was too strong for me to stand under, underneath it. Someone who is free knows he is free. And when in the face of temptation, he can say, no, he has self-control. Second, not only is self-control proof of freedom, but so is loving service to needy people. The Christian puts other people's welfare above his own and is willing to give of himself and his own energy and his own time, his own money, his own life to help people who need, like Christ, without any concern of merit or demerit or without any thought of compensation. And third, our obedience to biblical law from the heart is proof of our freedom. One of the great characteristics of a Christian's life is that he dies more and more and more unto sin and lives more and more and more unto, the righteousness, unto righteousness the longer he lives. So remember this. The road on which we as Christians must travel is high, long, and narrow. And it's bordered by two raging rivers. 
I encourage you to take seriously God's railings that he has set up to protect you. God's boundaries to our freedom in Christ. So you will not fall off this high road and be swept to your eternal destruction. Amen. Let us pray. Blessed God, we rejoice in the freedom Christ has given us through the price of his own blood. We thank you for the free spirit of God you have placed within us to sustain that freedom. We thank you for the boundaries that you have given us. Oh, now please help us to walk down that straight and narrow path without swerving to the left or to the right, both of which lead to eternal death. There may possibly be someone among us here today who is not a Christian and knows he's not a Christian or who is not a Christian but thinks he is. For the person who is honest enough to admit and for the person who is self-deceived, I pray, great and mighty God, that you would convict them of their sin and misery that you would enlighten their minds in the knowledge of Christ, and that you would set free their wills, that they might embrace Christ as their own Lord and Savior. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402-1484, Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.